Hey everybody, this is Ian Reed Twist, the pastor at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Novi, Michigan. Today's sermon was preached on October 13th, 2019, and uh, the passage was from 2 Kings chapter 5, 1 through 3, and 7 through 15. So I will read that next, and then the sermon will follow after. A reading from 2 Kings. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of the Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage, but his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. What difference does faith make? Sometimes when I'm feeling either bleak or philosophical, and what's the difference really? I find myself asking this question. You know, I became a Christian well into my adulthood, and I have a pretty clear memory of what my life was like beforehand. In many ways, it was not different at all. Same difficulties, same personality flaws, same experience of cycling through the beauty and pain of existence. But here's something I've noticed that has changed. Sometimes, particularly when life is a struggle and I just see no way forward, I manage to remember something really essential. I'm not in control. I'm just a human being, a blip in the timeline of the universe. 
And there's something much more vast and mysterious at work. And I call that thing God. When I manage to remember that, what a relief it is. What a sense of freedom to rediscover that I can be me with my flaws and my gifts, doing as good a job as I know how to do of living my life. And the results are in other hands. Our Old Testament reading today reminded me of this experience because I think a similar discovery is very much at the heart of Naaman's transformation and healing. Naaman begins the episode high on a pedestal. He's the commander of the army of Aram. And we are told that he's won great success in the field. He's a great man, a respected leader, a celebrity. Now, his presenting issue is this embarrassing skin condition he has. But his real problem seems to be that he's been spending too much time reading his own publicity. The exclusive interviews, the talk show appearances, the line of cologne, Naaman pour les hommes. <laughs> All these things have convinced him, as fame often does, that he is the sole author of his own greatness, that he is a kind of God. Imagine his shock then when he goes to get his skin disease cured by this little nobody, this Elisha guy, this Israelite prophet living in a shack on the edge of town. And he gets treated like an ordinary person. Elisha doesn't even come to the door, but sends a messenger to tell Naaman what to do for his skin. Just wash it off seven times in the Jordan. That ought to take care of it. Being used to a certain kind of deferential treatment, Naaman naturally does what most celebrities would do. He storms off and pitches a tantrum. Somehow, though, his servants managed to convince him to try the Jordan thing anyway, just in case. And lo and behold, Naaman emerges from the water completely healed. As the text puts it, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy. And he was clean. So this is more than just a healing. It's like a second birth inhabiting new skin of a young boy. It's like a baptism. Naaman returns to Elisha with a transformed perspective. He has had an encounter with the living God, and he's been both humbled and freed. Imagine his relief to realize that he's not alone, that he's not the center of the universe. God is. Then Naaman says something really significant. Right on the heels of professing his new faith to Elisha in a line that our lectionary has rather rudely stopped just short of reporting, Naaman says, please accept a present from your servant. Now this is really important because it shows us that Naaman's first impulse following his encounter with this liberating and healing God is an impulse of generosity. He wants to give back. Please accept a present from your servant. It's an amazing journey. In the course of a few verses from 
commander of the army of the king of Aram to Elisha's servant from overinflated egotism to freedom and generosity. These experiences of Naaman's, you know, strike a real chord for me. It's such a paradox to discover that your place in the world is so small and that God is so immense, and yet to find this discovery strangely invigorating and joyful. It reminded me of a time soon after my own conversion experience in my late 20s when I was just so abundantly happy. The world seemed to be opening up to me in all these new ways and I was full of energy and zeal, taking on all these new prayer practices, learning about the Bible and seminary. You know, really, it was like falling in love. One of the ingredients in that period of spiritual ferment was that I began to fast and pray during certain lunch hours in the week. And I'd set aside the money I would have spent on lunch and just sort of kept a tab of it and added it up over time. And then I'd give it away when worthy needs presented themselves in my life. It wasn't a lot of money, but I can't tell you how good it felt to write checks out of that little stash that I'd sacrificed my own appetites in order to build up. It wasn't about self-congratulation. It was just that I felt so profoundly grateful for where I was in my life, for how I was feeling led by God. I just wanted to respond. In the coming weeks, you know, we are launching our stewardship pledge drive at the church. And so it's occurred to me that it was really that time in my life that marked the beginning of my own journey into Christian stewardship. And as I've moved along that road, as Nan and I have discussed how much to give each year and have moved from kind of a haphazard giving pattern to proportional giving, you know, percentage of income. And as we've taken all those baby steps along the way, really the whole process has been fueled by connecting with that original feeling of gratitude, of grace and blessing in my life. Now, please hear me. I'm not here today or any day to beg, cajole, plead, or command you to give any certain amount to the church. It's really not about that. All I'm saying is that Naaman's journey has something to teach us about all the relationship between faith and joy and generosity. His example reminds us that stewardship's not about giving until it hurts, but rather about giving until it feels good or giving because it feels good. Stewardship is about discovering in our relationship with God not only relief, not only strength and joy, but also gratitude and a desire to share, a desire to respond to bounty with bounty, a desire to emerge from the waters of the Jordan like a new person and say back to God, please accept a present from your servant. Amen.
Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And if you want more information about me or the church, you can always go to our website, holycrossnovi, that's N-O-V-I dot org. And in the meantime, have a blessed week, and you can find more sermons as we publish them in the same place you found this one. Take care.